It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Reactive behavior is not behavior by choice. You are either a puppet or a creator. Which shall it be? And this is a quote attributed to my special guest. Thanks for tuning in to the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. My special guest today is Mr. Rob White. Rob joins us from Boston. He's a best-selling author. He's, a, he's an entrepreneur. He's a philosopher. He's, he's many things. And he'll, he'll give us a little bit more about his background um, today. But Rob, welcome to the Time with Fred podcast. Well, thank you very much, Fred. Uh, you're very kind. I appreciate being with you. Thank you. The pleasure is absolutely mine. Rob, you're, you're also the, the author of the latest book, um, the Maestro Monologue, right? And, and we're going to be do, doing a deep dive into that. But the, the concept, Rob, of the Maestro Monologue is that um, is to help identify what you call the intruders in our voices, right? So why don't you give us a little bit of an intro and what led you to write that book? Well, what I have found, Fred, is all human beings, uh, unlike every other living creature on this planet, we have two selves. Now, when we're born, there's only one of us, the maestro. I use that word because the maestro is an orchestra leader, an orchestra leader, and we are capable of orchestrating our lives and conducting our daily affairs so we can have our dreams come true. Unfortunately, at age two, I have found that every human being ever born at that moment when they hear their first no, that's why it's called the terrible twos, not nearly as terrible for mom and dad as it is for the child. In that moment, the intruder is born. That's, <clears throat> that's the beginning of that unwanted mental and emotional house guest that thrives on no. So from age two to five, it seems that according to child psychologist, Fred, we hear 60,000 no's average. By age five, everybody's asking themselves this question, what's wrong with me? And unfortunately, that question can live with the person for the rest of their lives. And most people have that intruder, that unwanted mental house guest that they have identified with that has us feeling flawed, inadequate, unworthy, and always asking, what's wrong with me? And it totally throws our life upside down. So I haven't met anyone who hasn't got an intruder. Everyone, even the most successful people in any area of life, they're still an intruder. The answer, you never get rid of it. Here's, here's the problem. You never get rid of it. However, you can handle it. That's the difference. I saw, you know, Fred, I, there was a big rock star, can't think of his name, see his face. He was going to sing with Pavarotti. This rock star has 50,000, 60,000 people at any concert screaming, loving him, and he's in the backstage wringing his hand saying, I have no right being here with the great opera singer Pavarotti. You see, his, even his intruder took that opportunity to say to him, what's wrong with you? And he listened. 
It's, and, you know, I really appreciated him being so transparent as to let us see he, too, was terribly vulnerable. So the, but some people, many people, the intruder runs their whole lives. The intruder are those howling no's you heard between age two and five. Now, here's something that's interesting, Fred. Anything that happens to you in your adult age that really bothers you, it isn't what happens then. It reminds you of a howling no you heard between age two and five, and that's what you're dealing with. See, that's the scary part. I went from being born in a small, in a small mill town on the wrong side of the tracks, the neighborhood fraught with alcohol and fighting and screaming and swearing. And I had to die of, and I say die of the I am that I created to survive there to get to where I am now. I had to die of that I am mm. many times over. This idea of born again, it's not just the Christian idea. Every child is born again and again and again. He's born from being a crawler to a walker, a mumbler to being a talker, illiterate to being literate. Your, your daughter, she's a born again. That's what's so exciting. And they love it. But unfortunately, by age 12, once you take what's wrong with me out into the world, into elementary school and in your neighborhood, and you start validating it, because that's what you're looking for. If you're asking for what's wrong with me, I can promise you there's plenty of stuff you'll find out there. By age 12, many people have now got what I call a false assumptive identity. Mm. And they take it through their whole life, struggling with the world, struggling with others, becoming victims, always asking unconsciously, what's wrong with me? So that's the deal. Now, here's the good news. The good news is I went from, very, uh, from a neighborhood, a ghetto to now having beautiful homes on both coasts, having wonderful friends, having marvelous intimate relationships, uh, having a state of mind, a state of peacefulness I never enjoyed. So it's not like you have to live with the other self, the intruder. But here's the most important thing to get. You've got to own it. Before you can move from it, you've got to own it. You can't deny it's there. You you must be willing to confront it. You must be willing to get that you put it together during childhood moments of fear and pain, and it has taken over your consciousness and hence taken over your life. This is a very powerful concept. And you talk about the false assumptive identity, right? Which becomes, unfortunately, part of uh, the social or con cultural constructs that many people grew up with. The problem is that this becomes the norm for a lot of people that they, they don't know any better. How does one recognize that one, that is false, right? How does one recognize that this is, this is not normal and, uh, and, and let alone start that process of extricating oneself, oneself from that process, if that makes sense? It made total sense. Great question. Um, first of all, during this pandemic, Billions of people have been taken over by the false self, the other self, the unwanted mental health guests. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the anger. That's the fear. That's the frustration. That's the doubt. That's the lashing out. That's all the intruder. So during testing times, everyone can be sure the intruder is going to jump right in and try to take over, take command. For many people, 
it doesn't take testing times. They get up, get up, what's wrong with me? They go through their day, what's wrong with me? And they go to bed, what's wrong with me? What can they do about it? Well, first of all, it is awareness. They must, it isn't easy to realize that you are, you are giving yourself over to a false version of you if someone doesn't point it out to you. You need the awareness. <clears throat> so when children, see, Fred, you can't help but give your daughter 60,000 notes. Uh, she's pulling the cat's tail. Naturally, you're going to say, no, 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 honey. No, no, don't do that. Well, you're minute out of love, out of caring for her. But when she was three and four and you said that, that was just something is wrong with me. It's like, whoa, wh where did that come from, daddy? She doesn't say that. You see, no is a break from belonging. Your daughter, when she, between, during the first couple of years, was so connected to you and mommy. This was wonderful. What a beautiful world. Look at us. The, you know, we are just making it together. And she felt so secure. The first time you said to her, honey, no, she felt a break from belonging. You didn't get that, but she actually was traumatized. She just froze. What was it? And it scared the lickens out of her, or the dickens out of her. Every one of us. I'm just using her because mm -hmm. you have a dog. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, of course, you add pile more on. Now, some people they have very harsh nose, and that's a sad state of affairs. But even if you're the gentlest dad who said no, 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 there's not a child at that age that ever interprets a no as a loving, kind word. Mm -hmm. It's just stop it. And what naturally comes next is with all these no's, what in the world is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. So it's awareness. What really you want to say to a child if you want to stop the pattern when they're able to start by six or seven, you've got to let them know the way they're acting doesn't work in the world because you're hurting others or whatever it might be. It's not you, but it's the way you're acting. And that's, and, and you, so you have them identify less with that. You see, you have to let them know there's two of you, honey. There's the beautiful you that you were born to be. And then daddy said a lot of no's. He didn't know how not to. But there's another new that no that will scare you and think that you are in, have you think you're inferior. Honey. And you want to know that's a lie. You want to know that no is lying to you. And I say this to adults. I say, I don't call them honey and talk quite so well. But I, it's a lie. I say you got to call an MD, Fred. Yeah. It's so serious, you have to call an MD. A marvelous denial on the statements he's making about me. Mm. When he says to me, look how bald you are, you're only bald now, you're ugly. I say, that is absolutely a lie. Mm. Why, why would you think I actually talk to the, I talk to the intruder. <clears throat> I own it. It's mine. I say, why would you think I would listen to you? That is absolutely insane. And you know what? Why it's marvelous? I can start feeling really good about myself when I call the intruder out on and he's looking always for something to, to show me that I'm inadequate, unworthy, something. Uh, so, yeah, the way you awareness, number one, and own it, you've got to own it. If you play, by the way, what's his favorite game? The victim. He loves you being the helpless victim. Then he gets to say, see, 
look at me. By the way, he doesn't talk to you like you're, he's talking to you like he's you. He's saying, you know, look at me. Not that, you know, everybody picks on me. I'm not that smart. You know, I'm not that pretty, whatever it might be. He says it that way or it. We shouldn't even say he or she. It's an it. Yeah. It's an illusion. It, it's an absolute abstraction, an abstraction that you've given full reign to. And, and, and when you're driving your car, just the other day, I'm driving a car, pull out through the light, almost hit me. And I heard myself hitting the wheel, you hitting the horn, you jerk. And I said to myself, whoa, you're good to the mm, intruder. Mm. I said to the intruder, you're good. Boy, you catch every circumstance to jump right in and take over, don't you? So the guy then rolled out his window He and I rolled mine down mine and I said, look, I'm sorry. You know what? Have a good day. And, you know, he melted right exactly. His intruder was ready to take on my intruder. Yeah, now you've got two intruders. Oh, you can believe that's not going anywhere. So I actually talk to it. I confront it. I own it. If, if I don't, if I refuse to accept it's there, it owns me. Mm. If I deny it, it owns me. I must be willing to accept it. And I talk to it. That's my method. I went from being a very poor man in every way. I used to, I didn't know how to love. I didn't know how to relate to people. I always was manipulating and strategizing. And, oh, I'd even cheat and steal if I thought I can get somewhere in my teen years. Uh, you know, and if I can continue on that path, well, I wouldn't be where I am now. Wow. Yeah, and I'm giving back now. See, these conversations are me giving back to folks like you and your, your listeners. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Rob, you, you, you talk about um, owning the intruders, right? All the saboteur voices and, and, and confronting them, which, which tells me that this is, we've got to be intentional, right, about this. We can't be passive. Um, and you also share uh, the first step of, of being aware. How about the second step? Well, you know it's there, but how do you confront it? And, and it leads me uh, back, uh, Rob, to uh, example of, say, like a gang, right? Where I've, I've heard that if you're part of a gang and, you, and you're trying to leave that group, they, they, seek, they seek you out and they try to stop you and some lose their lives as a, as a, as a result. Or, or the proverbial crab, little crab that tries to climb out of the out of the box and the others, you know, try to pull it down. And, and so for some, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of work, right? Some are ostracized because they're trying to break away from that norm, if you will. So in an attempt to avoid all of that, they just give up and say, well, it is what it is. This is, this is the norm for me. It, it's not an easy task, right? I'll, I'll dare say for one to be able to dissociate uh, from those saboteurs or, or, or for whatever it is that's hold, holding them, them down. What are your thoughts? Any ideas as to how to make it an easy process? I don't know that there is, but, but your, your take on that. Well, I love what, you know what, I don't, see, first of all, life isn't fair. <clears throat> so if you belong to a gang and you're a teenager and all the gang members are very nasty intruders filled with hate and anger, and that's what that is, that's them being taken over completely by the intruder, hating everyone and insisting you be one of them, which is calling forth your intruder. I've never had to go through that. And I, life isn't fair. That's a lot of work. Uh, yes. Can it be done? I did it with one person, uh, one young man. Yes. Uh, did it, he, it took, he had to, so he had to move. I mean, he actually not only had to move in consciousness from thinking that life was out to get him, 
and he had to be tough because tougher than life, but he had to move. Yeah. He had to move right 10 miles away where they wouldn't find him. And you're right. Those gang members are so nasty minded. That's the crab as you were bringing up for your folks who don't know when they get down on the bottom of a, a crab trap, and one of them starts to crawl up on the netting. The others pull him down. And if he keeps crawling, they'll pull his legs off. They'll destroy him in the name of, and so, yeah, that is where life isn't fair. Uh, I don't have an answer for that without going into a long study. But I do think you have a perfect example, though, because I think you share an example, Rob, of when you're trying to leave the teaching business to business. And I think your dad was thought it was, a, it was the most ludicrous idea. Can you, can you share can you share that? With Rob? Well, that's beautiful. You know, dad was a wonderful man. He's passed on. Now. Um, and he had an intruder who he was born in, in the Depression. So he would tell you that every time I talked to him, that had to come up. He was so fearful of, of lack and fear of debt. So I was a school teacher for 17 years, Fred, and, and uh, in the city of Boston. And then I decided to quit to become an entrepreneur and a millionaire. But I only needed three more years. I could quit at a limited retirement and have a, a, a full health plan for the rest of my life. My father said to me, what are you, crazy? See, there's this intruder. What's wrong with you? In other words, you're not good enough to quit and become your, he was a postman. What's wrong with you? You know what he said to me? You don't need a psychologist. You need a team of psychologists. <laughs> but you see, how could I, I yeah. can't fix the intruder in him. I can't even point out to him that you're intruder. What I had to do was quite literally avoid him most of the time for the next few years because he was so, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. I'm starting to put it together. I'm getting into the real estate business and I'm starting to put together a couple of properties. Oh, you're putting together. See, he had every reason why I should quit. Would they take you back if you went into the public schools? I don't know, Dad. I'm not interested. What's wrong? And we'd go right back. That was his intruder. Here's the great news, Fred. When you know it's the intruder that's, that's handling the other person who's trying to handle you, you forgive them their sins. They know not what they do. They really that, that's a, that's such a, a powerful uh, voice, right, of, of influence in your life, right? And, and I wonder how many people can stand up to that intruder like you did bravely, right, and yet respectfully, I'll assume, talk to your dad, right, and say, no, dad, I understand, but this, this is what I'm called to do. Uh, there are a lot of people, Rob, who I'd imagine cannot go against that, right, whether it's dad, whether it's spouse, whether it's well-meaning friends or, or relatives, right, teacher, lecturer, pastor, whoever, they're, they're all these people around us, right, who were voices of influence in our lives, right, so uh, kudos to you for, you know, for doing that and, 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 and being convinced in, in your stance, but I, I don't think that's easy for a lot of people, wouldn't you think? Oh, it isn't. As a matter of fact, I claim your worst enemies are your family when you try to grow beyond what they, their dreams are. It's not they don't want you to have them, but they don't think that yeah, you, they think yeah. you're being, you know, when my dad died and I was by his side holding his hands, he told me something that really touched me. He said, you know what I regret most, Bobby? He called me Bobby. Um, it's not the things I did that I goofed up on. It's all the things I never tried. Mm. And you know who, 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 what he was realizing without understanding it the way we're talking? That was the intruder that stopped him on every one of those things. 
I have found that people who are outrageously successful, and I've been, I've done pretty darn good in my life, quite frankly, um, they make more mistakes than anyone else. You see, you can only fail your way to success. Yes, that's what that's success right. is yeah. about. Yeah. And if you're caught up with what's wrong with me, every time you trip and you get up and say, what's wrong with me, you scurry back and, and, and don't try again. So the likes of a Bill Gates and they think, oh, he was so blessed, look at him, he's got everything. I can promise you, for example, everyone knows the story, he, he quit Harvard to start a computer system. And now it's Microsoft, my God, he's worth billions. Nay, 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 nay. He quit Harvard, he started a computer system called something like Gapstop, I forget the name. He failed miserably, he had to file bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. But he didn't listen to, listen to the intruder say, you jerk, what do you think you're doing? Now you get back into Harvard and do it the way you're lucky you even got to Harvard. And yeah, look what and Harvard, Harvard of all places, right? That's that's the epitome, right, of, of, of everything that most people would, would, would want to be. So, uh, yeah, it's, and so what you're bringing up is very... It's very challenging for many people who have a very strong. Now, my father and I didn't have the same relationship we had for a good decade. Uh, he was simply angry and disappointed that I would ever. And then when I made it and I made tens of millions of dollars, and I, and, and I say that only to, as a measure. I don't think money means anything. I did years ago when I was young and foolish and arrogant uh, and, and egocentric. Now I love money only because of what I can do with it to help others. My favorite, favorite, favorite thing to do with a lot of money every month is give it to St. Jude's. My heart sings with joy. See, so I love money, but I now love it for what I can do with it that helps others. Now, when I started making a lot of money, uh, my dad was bitter about that because now he got, he had tried to stop me as an intruder. You know, he's, So without getting into the psychology, my relationship with dad was never the same. When I was a school teacher and he was a postman, I was one notch up, we'll say, in, in the social ladder. And he was so proud of me. When I quit and decided I wanted to be so much more, I went into the restaurant business and was outrageously successful in that too. He wouldn't go to my restaurants. See, his intruder would not allow him to enjoy his son's success. Mm. So it's sad. And that's all the intruder. It's not the maestro, not the natural part of all of us that is fully capable of orchestrating our lives and designing our earthly destinies. Wow. So, but the thing that I found interesting is this, Fred, I, I forgive people mm. for their bitterness mm -hmm. for my success yes. because it's not them. It's the intruder right. that is imposing its point of view on them and expressing through them. What a gift to me. I'm giving myself a gift by forgiving them. I don't have to get yes. all that's up right. and yeah. foolishness. Isn't that something? Yeah. 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 They say yeah. Well, for, for holding, holding, um, Holding on to anger is, is, is drinking poison and expecting the other, the other person to die. Um, I read that once. You mentioned that example about this uh, famous musician who, who was opening for, for Pavarotti, right? And then the fact that they had to embrace uh, their, their vulnerabilities. Rob, this embracing of vulnerabilities is one that I've been, I've been um, talking about a lot lately. I actually wrote an article on that um, On LinkedIn, but I ask this because Rob, many of us go through life um, hiding behind this uh, falsehood, if you will, pretending that all is okay when, when all is not okay, right? So there is this veneer of, of whatever it is 
thinking that if they allow themselves to be vulnerable, they will be perceived as weak and all sorts of things. What are your thoughts about the importance of, of embracing one's vulnerability? So I, you must own it, and that is embrace it. You must have the courage to say, for example, if I felt this way with you, I would say to you, I don't, but I'm going to use it as an example. Uh, you may notice I'm a lot older than you and I'm, I'm bald, uh, and, uh, but I want you to know it doesn't bother me. If I say that, then it does bother me. Well, Why bald is I... sexy anyway from, 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 from what I... <laughs> so, so the, yeah. So what I'm sharing most important though is if someone says, I don't care what you think about me, they do care what they, you think about them because if they don't care, they don't think to say, I don't care. When I hear myself saying to myself, I don't care what Fred thinks about me, I want to let, I then go inside and say, what is it about yourself right now is feeling insecure? Because obviously you do care and you're suppressing it. You're trying to, you're trying to bury it. And if you press it and bury it, guess what happens in the interview? You're going to be arrogant or pushy or try to prove something. And then it's, and it's going to, it's not going. So I would actually take a moment and say to you and see, that's where it takes courage. Fred, could you allow me a moment? I just want to close my eyes and gather my thoughts. And then I'll go inside and say what I've just said. You know, Rob, uh, I'm Rob. Yeah. The intruder has totally taken you over right now. I see you. I say that to the intruder. And what you're up to isn't going to work right now. See, you, and that feeling of insecurity or inferiority or inadequacy or stupidity, that's just yours. It's not mine, not the, it's not the maestro. You know, every child, when they're learning to walk, if they felt inadequate or embarrassed every time they fell down, they never learned to get up. They'd get up 100 times. They'd stop on number 47, and they'd still be crawling around. If they had to learn how to walk at age eight in the first grade in front of everyone, they'd never learn how to walk mm -hmm. because they wouldn't want to take the embarrassment mm -hmm. of falling. So the way that the own, oh, by the way, here's another thing I'll do. When you're going to own it, you must be willing to claim that you created it and you did it back between age five, two and five. And you're letting that decision make your decisions now, Rob, whatever it might be, because whenever you're feeling inadequate, it's something that is reminding you of something that happened between age two and five. That little child didn't have the capacity, the maturity, the intelligence, the consciousness, the awareness you have. Yet you're running back and asking that child, how should I react? Then the child will tell you exactly how to react. And you want to know how you react, Fred? Just like you did back then. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Full grown adults can act just like they did when they were four and five and six. Mm. Yeah. What a powerful way to put it, Rob. What a powerful way to put it. Now, speaking of bald, um, you had yeah. a, you had a you have a powerful story, um, which which I wanted to share um, about about how you dealt with that. Okay. Well, anyway, because you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> when I was uh, 45, 48, very successful driving a Ferrari, owning restaurants, I was also Boston's most eligible bachelor. All this superficial. Um, egocentric foolishness, <clears throat> I wore a wig because I was bald back then, not as much as now, but pretty bald. You didn't realize that bald was sexy back then? 
No, no, I, <laughs> I didn't have a clue. <clears throat> so I wear a wig and I spent most of my time, Fred, not being bald. See, I went to the hair club for men and they put on a nice one that looked so good and it had it all glued up, up and ready to go. Now, I couldn't get in a convertible or go sailing, uh, or if the wind came, I had to scoot in the house. But other than that, <clears throat> so I was a motivational speaker and in, in back then, too, uh, and doing firewalks, having people walk over red hot coals. And Century 21 asked me to do an annual, one get up for an annual speech for their annual, um, they had a big shindig down in, in uh, Las Vegas. So I'm up on stage breaking boards with people, taking a board, taking someone from the audience that clearly doesn't look like they could break a board, helping them break through the, pa the, the patterns and the fears in their mind to break the board. And I had this woman standing there and she was really having a hard time with it. It was hot, the, the sunlight, the, not the sunlight, the spotlights and all of that. And I'm saying, you got to just really get into this. And I snapped my head to show how, and my wig fell off my head and landed on the stage. It was, I bet it wasn't funny back then, right, Rob? Nothing funny, nothing funny. It was as quiet as a church mouse. Everybody froze. I looked up at the screen. There's a huge screen. And there I am, bald as a cue ball, sweating, panicking. And the wig is on the ground. So I then said, the intruder, that part of me that said, you fool, how stupid are you? You got to get right out of here and get on a plane and go back to Boston immediately. So I immediately looked behind me and there's a stage curtain. Well, of course, there's going to be a, a, a fire escape door back there. They got to have each, they got to have one. So I went behind the curtain and I went to the left. Nope. All the way to the right. Nope. Now you got to get there are a couple of thousand people out there wow. in the audience and they can see my feet because the curtain doesn't go all the way down to the ground. And I, <laughs> I finally got, Oh my God, I have to go out and confront this. So Embracing I, your vulnerability, right? And I, there's no hiding it. I'm bald as a cue ball. And that's all there is about it. I went out, I picked up my wig, I picked up the microphone, which I dropped on the ground too. I said, this is just who I am. I got the biggest, kindest, most compassionate, loving, mm. standing ovation. Everybody got themselves in that moment. You know, we're all hiding something. Oh my God, I can never let anybody. Yeah. I just said, this is, all, this is just who I am. Now, here's what's amazing, Fred. I went down there to get a standing ovation, but I didn't want to get it like that. And now that's the best standing ovation I have ever got in my life. Isn't that wow. a beauty? Wow, what, yeah. a, what, a, what a powerful story. What a powerful story. Rob, as we kind of wrap this up, I want you to talk about your book, but before then, Rob, before you, you to look back, um, you know, at your your all the experiences you've had and, and what you've done and all, then you were to give an advice to your younger self. What would what advice would you would you give? I would tell my younger self, it's very important that you enjoy yourself because when you enjoy yourself, you're being yourself. And when you're being yourself, you have all the talents and skills you could ever want. And if you're trying hard to impress others and look good, I can promise you that other self that's not you, that will insist you're inadequate, it will take you over. 
Mm. And it will destroy everything about you that's beautiful. And I say, take that very seriously. It's scary to hear that, but it's important you do. Because you see, like even you, I really enjoy your sincerity, Fred. It's clear to me you really care, you listen. You're listening. And you're very comfortable to be with. You you. are allowing me to, you know, I don't usually go this far out and be be this transparent. Uh, I've told those stories before, but you have, that was a moment of transformation for me when that happened and I left the stage. I I never put that wig back on again. And I sold my big, fancy, expensive Ferrari and got a a practical car. And I stopped being an arrogant, know-it-all fool. Mm. That's, that's what any what a any, powerful any, defining defining moment I'd assume right for you. Oh, it's a gift. Life's gifts come in strange packages. I can tell you that, Fred. Wow. Yeah. And I bet that advice, Rob, would would pass to uh, what would 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 apply to our listeners as well. Typically, I like you to, but let's do it, Rob. There's probably someone listening to you right now who may be stuck, may have heard all these no's, um, may have had you know to live with this false assumptive identities and and just don't have any way out um i just want you to just address that listener uh rob right now just 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 talk to him well i'd like to tell you this i know what that feels like there were times first of all i was a weekend alcoholic somehow i managed to stay straight on the week when i was teaching and i hated myself and pretended i loved myself and i did everything i thought was the right thing to get better but the one thing I hadn't done is got that I was trying to improve something about me that wasn't me. I was trying to improve an I am that I'm not. There's two of me. There's two of you. There's you that you are, who is beautiful, marvelously made, and destined to win or whatever you set your mind to. But there's another you that you put together in childhood moments of fear and pain. And you're paying far more attention to that you. That's what has you suffering. You know, ye of little faith. Have great faith in the fact there's so much more to you than meets the eye, but you've got to be willing to take a chance and let that I am express itself. It's ready. It's willing. It's the maestro. I love you. Thank you. Wow. What a powerful way to end. And finally, Rob, where can our listeners get a copy of the maestro monologue and all the other books that you've written? Well, the maestro monologue is my favorite favorite. I just published it. 50 years of living, five years of writing. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Please come over to my website, even robwhitemedia.com. A lot of good stuff there. This was great. You're great. I really feel good about myself right now, and you're a contribution to that. Thank you, Fred. Thank you so much, Ralph, for coming and sharing these powerful nuggets um, of how to identify those uh, those intruders in our in our in our voices. And if you're listening to this podcast, I trust that you you find a lot of value um, in this conversation with Rob as much as I have. Um, and definitely check out Rob's website. It's robwhitemedia.com. And if this podcast has impacted your life in any way, please visit our website. Uh, please visit the iTunes site and, and leave us a positive feedback. This helps us. Uh, do the work that we continue to do. Uh, So again, thanks for tuning in. uh, And until next time, stay well.